0: it back and scores. Brady Leibold goes back and forth behind the net. Comes out the right side and lifts the backhander up and in. Leibold rights here on Dillon. Dillon comes back to the right of his own. Here's Leibold uppercut. Another right by got Another fight. Brady Leibold got the
1: right hand coming on Tony Mann top and
0: trying to control him as Leibold's got that jack at the right going. He's throwing a lot up the helmet. Now Cody Van Antherie, but Leibold switched to left and he got a few more in there.
1: Oh, you got to be loving this if you're at the Civic Center tonight. Wow. Well, well, welcome back, guys, to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, Road to Recovery. Uh, guys, this is episode number five. Uh, guys, I just want to first off say, by I thank you so much for all the support. Uh, I really appreciate all the messages. Uh, all the comments, all that, everything has just been sort of overwhelming. Uh, it's been awesome connecting with old teammates, uh, guys that I played against um, that hated my life. Um, but uh, you know what? It's been, it's been great, and everyone's been really supportive. So thank you, guys. Um, just want to remind you guys that uh, I am partnered up with Team Issued Limited, uh, Team Issued is connecting all walks of life, Team Issue does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger, a community for all, striving towards the same goal. Guys, check out the website, www.teamissue.ca. My former te- teammate, Jesse Paradise, um, started that brand, and the clothing, guys, is just phenomenal, so make sure to check that out and use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchases. Uh, Guys, I want to get right into the podcast. Uh, Really excited to have my former teammate, another uh, Kelowna Rocket. This guy was actually the captain of the Kelowna Rockets when I played with him and and came to the team. Uh, uh, Another 20-year-old that was there when I was there, and this guy was uh, probably the toughest guy in the WHL um, my last two years, and if he wasn't, he certainly fought every guy that thought he was and and beat them up. So, uh, James McEwen, welcome to the show, my friend.
0: Leo, thanks for having me, bro.
1: James, you know what, man? It's, it's going to be really interesting to catch up with you because, uh, you know, obviously I talked to Jesse and I, I talked to Hoodie, my, my roommate. They were younger and uh, they obviously played a little different roles. Um, you were, you know, basically strictly a fighter, James. And I know coming to that team, you know, I, I fought a lot too. But, you know, I was certainly happy that I didn't have to fight you. James, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you became uh, a fighter in the Western Hockey League, uh, how your WHL career came about, and uh, yeah, just, you know, you're from Terrace, BC.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, first off, before I get into that, I just want to say, man, way to go with doing this podcast. I, I, I tuned into the, the couple with the Jess Can and, and heard, uh, heard Hoodie too, and it, yeah, it's really cool, man, so um, yeah, it's, it's great to be on here, and so, yeah, the, the journey of you know becoming a, an enforcer and a and a scrapper um, started probably when I was sixteen. Um, I was looking to, to make the dub. When I was sixteen, I was I was undrafted, and uh, and I had a, had a tryout, a few junior A tryouts, and uh, had a tryout in in uh, in PA. And, um, so my, my, my junior A trout, I was in, uh, I was actually in, uh, in Merritt for the, in in the BCJ and I was having a really good camp and, um, I just came back from trail. So I was trying to, um, you know, I was undrafted. I, I came, my first camp was trail. Um, I, you know, I was scoring, I made it to like the final cup before exhibition games. And, uh, then I got cut and, um, and I, I was kind of, I was pretty upset and, um, I just thought, you know what, like maybe if I start scrapping that uh, I'll get noticed more because I was just found that, you know, maybe it's a way that I can stand out and show that I'll do anything to, to crack, crack, uh, crack a junior lineup as a 16 year old. So I literally jumped in the car with my dad after, after trail and drove right to Merritt, um, had a camp there and, um, fought one of the 20 year olds there. Like I was still wearing a cage cause I was, you know, they said if you didn't play junior, had to wear a cage. So, you know, took off the buckets, uh, squared up, went toe to toe with one of the twenties there and, you know, did really well and, you know, fought another, another 20 year old, I think who was there too. And, um, I got a lot of recognition for it. I, you know, and I, I was scoring in, in camp and, and, um, so they wanted me to stay and, um, but I had a camp in, in Prince Albert and I said, well, um, I'm going to go to uh, PA because I, you know, I want to play um, in the dub. But um, if it doesn't work out there, can I come back? And they kind of gave me the ultimatum and said, no, if you go there, you're, you, you can't come back. And so I said, OK, well, I'm just going to go for it. I went, so I went to PA and, uh, and, and got cut right before uh, exhibition games as a 16-year-old. Um, ended up playing junior B that year. And, um, and in that year, I, I, uh, you know, I, I fought a lot because I'd seen that, you know, I, I actually didn't fight in PA's camp. And so I was like, well, maybe if I would have fought, I would have got more recognized and stood out more. And so I actually, I led the league in penalty minutes. I got like 420 pims that year as a 16 year old. And, you know, um, it was pretty crazy, you know, like fought a lot. And, um, you know, like it, it was in it was encouraged. I had uh, you know, I had a, a coach too who kinda guided me in that in that direction as well. He's like, you know what, you can you, you know, there's guys who made it from here to the dub by by doing that and you can get you can get recognized. And so I seen it as a as a way to get where uh where I wanted to go, and that was to play um in the NHL and seen seen the, the dub as a route to get there. And there's such a small window, so um, as an undrafted player, um, I see. I seen that I had to do something to stand out, um, and you know, I, I, I was still, still, uh, I was still playing. Like I could play, but more and more, my role kind of got defined. I went to, uh, I went to Seattle. I got listed by Seattle that year um, as a By Dean, Dean Cheneau.
1: I don't want to interrupt you, but he was yes. your coach there. Correct.
0: He was actually, my coach. D- yeah, Dean. Dean actually left. Uh, um. He, he was there um the year before I was Which there year before so yeah would,
1: would, would he have been the one that listed you then
0: um I never t- talked with Dean um but I, I just talked with Russ and Rob Sumner Rob, Rob was the assistant coach um at okay the time I, mean, I didn't want to
1: interrupt you but I just wanted I just remember playing you in Seattle there and him telling me about how like you know I just remember him saying that you know how tough you were and telling us that and I if I I didn't want to interrupt you, but yeah, continue on. Sorry, James, about going to Seattle.
0: No, that's all good. But um, yeah, I heard a heard a lot uh, about Dean, and uh, you know, he's a. I've never actually met him or spoke with him, but I've heard you know a lot of good good things about him. And um, yeah, so I went to camp as a seventeen-year-old, and um, you know, I was I just you know trained and trained at everything I could. I was like, hey, you know what? I got I got a shot here to crack the dub as a seventeen-year-old, and they had a player on the team who was. You know, probably the, you know, the most feared guy in the league, Zach Fitzgerald. And like, you know, he would hurt, you know, he would knock heavies out. And um like so big hard. guy and draft drafted in uh high draft pick by St. Louis and you know, I wasn't a big guy. I was like, you know, I went into camp, I trained, but it was hard for me to put on weight. Like I, you know, I was six feet, but like, you know, I was uh probably 180 pounds, maybe 185 soaking wet with you know, maybe strapping on a few of those, you know, those weights that you get from the from the weight vest would tape some of those on the legs for weigh-ins, <laughs> but... Uh, oh, yeah, I
1: remember doing that when as Central Scouting came in the Swift Current Dressing and we were sticking weights in our pants for the weigh-in and that, oh my God, it didn't do me any good anyways, I never got drafted, but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but I, I did that for a few weigh-ins too, as like, I gotta, you know, make the weight look a little heavier, so maybe guys will, uh you know, think I'm not such a string being out there, but... 17 year old year yeah I was probably 180 185 pounds I don't know Fitz was a big boy like you know he's really really thick and he was you know just heard stories of him knocking guys out and so I got in a couple scraps uh at the beginning of camp but you know uh during the uh and I did did well in the scraps actually uh the first the first fight uh I, I was I was playing you know a really tough game like just hitting everything that moves was I think I might've accidentally bumped into, into the goalie at, during an inner squad game. And so one of the, one of the vets, Bretton Stamler, who actually became, uh, you know, one of my best friends and, uh, and roommate that year, he, he, uh, he ended up coming off the bench. He's like, we got to go. So we had a, we had a scrap and then, uh, and then Partee Bungle was at camp. So I had a scrap with him too. And then, um. And, and Teek is tough too.
1: I know Parteek. He, he is no. He is no slouch. He was a tough customer too, right? So.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, he was. He, he was tough. It was. Uh, it, 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 it was a good. You know. Good scrap, and uh, so like it. It wasn't. It wasn't an easy camp. Like you know, I had those two scraps, and I was um, during the inner squads games. Uh, Fitzgerald was. Uh, he was on my on my team, so I had this. I had this kind of like relief. Oh, okay, good. Maybe they're not going to put him on the other team, but I know if he is on the other team, I, I know I got to ask him to go. And I, like, I, I just knew. And there was a scout that kind of said to my dad, he's like, you know, there is one thing James can do that would, you know, get him a spot on the team for sure. And um, he didn't say what it was, but uh, my dad told me that and, I, and we all knew what it was. And so, um, and, and that was, you know, to, you know, to, to challenge the the heavyweight of the league, right? The the, the heavyweight champ or whatever you want to, however you want to put it. But, you know, it, it was, I remember it was one of the, you know, I, I was scared, you know, I was a 17 year old. So the last inter-squad game we were against each other and I was like, hey like I'm doing it. I just thought, you know what, like I'm all the way here. If I didn't do it, I would, I would regret it. And, um, so I uh, lined up against him on uh, one of the faceoffs and was like, "Hey, I, I, I was pretty nervous It's a young 17-year-old. He's a, uh, you know, about to go to NHL camp and I was just like, how do I even ask this guy to go?" I was just like, I was like, "Hey, Fitzy, you think if I uh, you think if we scrap, you think I'll make the team?" And he's like, "What?" I was like, "Come on, we got to go. We got to go." He's like, <laughs> like, he's like, he's like, "No." Like he's like, "Beat beat it." Like he has nothing to gain. He's going to NHL camp. Why is he going to fight me, right? So, he, you know, the shift ends. I'm just kind of like, you know, the adrenaline's just going because you're like, you know, you're facing, you know, huge fear. And um, we go to the bench, come back on. I think he talks to the assistant coach then and gets the OK. We come back on. I look at him. I'm like, we're going to go now? And he's like, yeah. So we shed the mitts and we square off center ice and we have a scrap and, uh, you know, held my own and, uh and you know, made the team and, and, you know, fought a lot that year as a 17 year old. And, and, um,
1: Do you know how many, how many fights you had as a 17 year old?
0: I think like regular season, probably like close to 20. Um, yeah,
1: you had 19 on, on, I, yeah, I know how many fights you had every single year. I've done my homework aside from the year in junior B, which that's why I was shaking my head earlier when I was listening to you talk about your fighting in junior B because, like honestly james I've been I've been thinking about it a lot over the last few years uh, we'll get to the class action lawsuit here in a bit but I know for myself uh, concussions uh, are playing a huge role in my life my everyday life um, and, and they have for a long time and where I'm heading with this it, it scares me and you know so I think back and I look at it and you were 17 years old and you know, we, di- we did what we did and we do those things as hockey players, but we were also just kids and, and also underage. Um, a lot is we're our brains are not fully developed and, and James, I don't know if you know this, but do you know how many multi fight games you've had over your career? Like more than one fight in, in the game in one night. Do you know how oh, many?
0: I had, lo- I had lots, but I, I don't, I don't you know. Had, how- you, had,
1: you had, you had 15 multi fight games okay, and aside from the multi-fight games, I have every single fight that's documented, the dates, and I was going through them, and I was looking at who you fought, like, it's not like you were just fighting guys that were small, or didn't know how to fight, like, and I, you watch these fights, and I mean, I, I fought a lot too, James, but not as much as you, and not the caliber of guys that you fought. I mean, we fought a few of the same guys, but I mean, James, like there was times, Bud, where you were fighting. Like you fought like back to back nights, one time, four, four fights in two nights one time, um, and then there was, like two days off, and then you fought two days off, fought two days off, fought two days off, fought. Um, you averaged 40 percent. You fought in forty percent of your games. Did you know that? So you played. Um, yeah, I have it here. I just have to look, but you amassed so many penalty minutes too in the dub, 540 penalty minutes in the Western league. And you only played 208 games. I mean, I played 202 games or whatever. I mean, I mean, the average career is about 200. I mean, if you start at 16, it's what closer to three or whatever, right? And you get that special thing for playing 300 games. I never even got close to it. And you didn't either because you got hurt. Um, how many concussions did you have while, while playing in the Western League? And how many did you sustain as a 17-year-old before you were even of age?
0: Oh, man. You know, like, the whole, the whole thing with concussions is, like, you know, what we know now. And what, 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 uh, what we know now is to be a concussion and what we knew then is different. And um, documented concussions, I think maybe one um looking looking back now how many concussions lots you know lots and um you know as a 17 year old there was so many times where I would get hit um you know like a green veil would come down I'd stay on my feet you know because you don't want to drop down but or you'd black out come right back or you know sometimes I'd get hit so hard um like literally everything would turn upside down and um some uh, I, have you boy, ever got I, I, hit that I hard?
1: Of course, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I don't know if you can, you've ever had it where you've been hit so hard where it felt like it's happened before. And I don't know if it's just because you remember getting hit because it's such a vivid feeling where your bell's just like ring and everything yeah. turns upside down. It's like, and I remember one time in Norfolk, like, fuck, I fought an exhibition, I fought Jeff Schwez, and fuck, like. I thought I slipped on a stick, but in the fight, but I think he fucking knocked me out. Like, yeah. and I remember, I don't. E- I remember being in the penalty box, and I, the, I don't even remember skating to the penalty box. I don't remember playing the rest of the game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that wasn't the first time that happened. So you know, like uh, nowadays, there's a lot more documentation. Um, but still, I, you know, I know I held back a lot with with be- with even being forthcoming about it because. um especially early on in the W myself too. I wasn't drafted. You weren't drafted um, coming on, you know, even as in the Western league, if you're not a draft player, you're not getting that same opportunity or, or whatever. So if you're getting that little bit of opportunity and all of a sudden you get a, a concussion or your bell rung, what are you going to do? Are you going to be like, Hey, Hey man, I'm going to sit this one out. Or, are you going to keep fucking playing because you want to be that hockey player? Cause you grew up, watching Ty Domi and fucking Tucker and Corson and all these guys doing that and, and Probert and, um, yeah. and then the guys, poor guys, like, you know, that d- committed suicide. We look at the, the depression, the ang- anger, the anxiety. Um, James, how has it been for you? Um, I mean, you had so many fights, man. Like I had, I don't know, probably 75 fights and you had just on the hockey fights like 142 or something like that and um i watched these fights buddy and uh, i mean you had so many with garrett hunt and uh for people that don't know garrett hunt played for the vancouver giants at, in the his western league career and he's still playing pro hockey and he's still mm-hmm. throwing them still banging it out uh I watched the fights that you guys had, and, I mean, you do very well in those fights. And watching those fights, I'm not really worried about you. I'm worried about your hands. But you hitting a guy like that, and I know you've been hit like that. He also hits you hard, too. Um, But, like, what do you see happening down the road, like, for guys like you and and Hunt and and even guys like me? Because I know it wasn't just the fighting. It was a little weird hits here weird hits there but I mean the fighting was just it's it was really crazy as much as I loved it, it was fucking crazy wasn't it
0: a hundred percent and like you know it's a it, it's a big topic and you know hearing some about your story and you know um, the battles with addictions and um, recovering from that and it's uh, it takes work man and it takes it it takes a strength to do that and you know if I've had you know big shifts in my life, you know, from, you know, making a living, um, you know, playing hockey, but being a fighter. And, you know, I wasn't just a fighter. Like, eventually, like, when I came to Cologne, I was still, you know, top in the league in fights, but um, I kind of solidified myself in the league and, um, you know, played more of a defensive shutdown role, which uh, which which was good, but I still... My my second year, my my first year in Kelowna is the most I ever fought, but I also got the most ice time that year. I was a nineteen year old, and so. Um, well, when
1: we but, played together, uh, you actually were one of our top PK guys, and you got injured in a fight that year. But see, it wasn't yeah. that wasn't a concussion. That was a fight, one of your eleven against Garrett Hunt. You guys. Yeah. Yeah, you guys fought six times in the Western League, five times in pro, 11 times just against that one guy. But during that fight, I was on the bench and uh, just like typical McEwen Hunt fashion, helmets off, uh, heads exposed. Um, But this one was actually the least eventful punching wise, but probably the most blood because your your wrist got stepped on and i remember you coming to the bench and fuck was there a lot of blood man that was that was scary for me um but when you went down that actually you know you were the heart and soul of that team you were the captain and actually when you went down it actually put a lot more pressure on me because um i'm not saying it's your fault or anything like that but i know that you must have felt pressure too like I was scared most games. I'm not going to lie. Like I wasn't scared of the fighting part or anything like that, but it was like, okay, it was more like, I'm not scared to get hurt, but like, I'm scared to like lose in front of my teammates or in front of my family or, but it was like scary sometimes. And, and for you more so, like, cause I know like looking at the guys you fought, like in the job, if, if you guys aren't familiar with the Western hockey league at the era that we played, like Matt Cassie and Milan Lucic, like, um, Those guys you fought on a regular basis, and and you're not a very big guy, like you said. You're six feet, and and you were what, like a buck ninety, maybe?
0: Yeah, and Kelowna is uh, well, with uh, (laughs) with weights taped to my leg, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah, I, 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 I think I played I think I played it was probably an honest 184 to 187 in Kelowna, but I think I think it said like 195 or something, you know, some but uh, I, I uh. I leaned out more for more for Kelowna but I you know I felt strong I felt good and you know I I, I trained for that like I you know I, I I trained I trained really hard and I uh you know so I I prepped myself for that and um but
1: but you cannot train your head to take punches well, on a regular well, basis That's and, the and, thing, right? you
0: know and 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 and, and that is a thing and you know what what we're talking about too it's like they're. There, uh, there is a big shift in consciousness going on, you know, with the information coming out, like the movie concussion with Will Smith, uh, learning about CTE. I never heard about CTE until those, um, you know, tragic deaths happened back to back to back, um, with, uh, with Ripon, Bougard, uh, Probert, um, Bilac, you know, they, they all happened. And I, I remember, you know, being in South Carolina, my fourth year pro and, um, I was scared and I was, I was, I was going through depression. I was starting to really fight these battles that I didn't know, um, what, what really, what was happening. And then hearing about that, um, it's kind of like when you're playing, you can't really think about it because it's like, okay, like, you know, if you watch the movie, you you know, concussion and you see these football players always hitting their heads. Well, in hockey, how not like you set, you, you set fighting aside, like, how many times are we flying into the boards or getting hit or getting, you know, you, 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 even just our head bouncing off the glass or, but then and you, you practice add practice too, oh, not it, even pra- just games. Oh, to- oh, totally. And then, then you add fighting into that. So it's just like, cause it, it's not just the big, it's not just the knockout hits and, you know, I've been knocked out, but it's not just the knock, knockout hits. It's the continuous blow to the heads. And so, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've had to go through a lot of healing. I'm doing, you know, like it, it's taken a lot of work, man. It's the, you know, the, the, the work that I put into my hockey career and, you know, I put everything I had in. Um, but when, um, you know, I went through a big awakening, you know, I went through a spiritual awakening during my career, which was also cultivated a healing journey as well too. And, um, so that, that went on healing physically, uh, mentally and, um, and, and, and on every level. And, um, so, I started to, to, to have a realization, um, you know, I took time away from the game and, um, and focused on, on healing. And, um, and then I was approached by, uh, um, you know, a reporter who wanted to ask me about fighting in the game. And so, which was kind of, you know, at that time I was immersed in yoga and meditation. I, the, my, my involvement in the game was, uh, you know, I was mentoring and personally training players and, um, but you know I, I didn't really go to too many games at the time and um, I had this uh, this awakening type experience where um, I, I, there was an interview that we actually had in, in, in clone at Prosper, and I, I wasn't at a game for years. and um, you know I was just kind of neutral I did, but I didn't I didn't really you know I didn't really uh, like think about it too much. I was, too, I was focused just on you know living a peaceful, um living a life in balance and harmony and and focus focused on that and so i kind of i think i kind of blocked it out i wasn't but you know i i think i think life and you know the universe i think there's a um a a greater energy flowing and um at that time i was ready to look at that and when i seen that i seen you know these uh 17 year olds there's two fights in that game and you know um one one kid uh, hit the ice, and I, I think he got a concussion. He played for Kelowna, um, and that uh, and I remember seeing that and just uh, just looking around, everybody's cheering, and I was just like, man, like um, this isn't this isn't uh, this doesn't seem right anymore. And uh, so the the reporter, you know, he asked me something. He's like, well, what would you say to kids, you know, who are coming up and wanting to be fighters and stuff? And I. Um, there's an article that came out in CBC where I was very open. I share, shared about them my you know my journey from you know battling um, post concussion, from depression, what I've done to overcome it and what I've done to heal from it from yoga meditation from plant medicine and ayahuasca and um, you know uh, ayahuasca.
1: The, uh, you Have did you- it all. <laughs> you did it all, James. Ayahuasca, my friend. Why am I not surprised? I wanted to, I wanted to kind mm. of talk about your journey of, of healing uh, a little later on. Like I'm, mm. I'm really, I'm really interested in that because I mean, I've been struggling addiction for the last 10 years to the point, you know, where I was homeless on Vancouver's downtown east side, sticking needles in my arm, like a hundred times a day, as much as mm. possible. Like trying to kill myself and i remember like when playing in the western league i remember even playing with Kelowna in the western league and i remember driving by hastings um with the team on the bus like do you remember driving down there and like everyone looking out the windows and being just do you remember like all the chaos and seeing all the the drug use and like for me to actually end up down there was was fucking crazy and um Mm -hmm. i started noticing a difference in myself about 18 19 especially after my 19 year old year and i that's when i really started fighting a lot more um Mm. but yeah for sure like your journey of healing is something one that definitely sparked my interest because i yet to really find the answer like yeah i'm clean right now but fuck how many times have i relapsed and and and, you know and get clean and, and you know i thought when i made this comeback back in 2012 that that was going to be it. I went to rehab for the first time and I didn't realize that it was going to be a fucking process. And, and, uh, I'm starting to realize it now that even if I wasn't doing the drugs, I think aside from the drugs, like my brain is, is, taken such damage and so so many blows to the head and and like you said it's the continual blows and the CTE like do you think you have CTE and like have you ever considered donating your brain to science because I'm thinking about doing that myself I've actually been thinking about doing that for a long time but like what are your thoughts on that do you think you have it and like do you know much about it I have I actually know a little bit about it I researched a lot about it today Mm -hmm. but um what what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, it's it's uh it's kind of a you know, it, it can be a scary thing to look at. And um you know, as far as donating the brain, I, I think it's a good idea. And I think uh, I've uh you know that that's something that, that, that I'll do. And um and you know, hopefully it's not you know, not for a long time. But um but um yeah, and you know, well science is progressing a lot with it, but Definitely the symptoms of CTE um, I've had. And I think there's a lot of fear um, around it, too, and right, rightfully so, because it is it is scary. Multiple blows to the head, a, a degenerative brain disease that, you know, um, and we're in a culture that uh, predominantly wants to find a cure for anything, a pill for this, a, you know, a medication for that. But with the brain, how do you heal the brain? And um, I think um, intuitively I, I went on a healing journey to, um, heal myself from the inside out, including my brain. And so, you know, i I went to I went to India and studied meditation under you know a spiritual master, and uh, and went deep into different yoga trainings, meditation trainings, worked with plant medicines, all these things that at the time I just knew I had to go, and it was it was helping me, and I and I wasn't really thinking about oh I have CTE, but um, you know when it would come up I'd you know I would. I would get emotional, you know, when I'd hear about another another brain donated and uh, and hearing about CTE in it. And I look at these guys and I'm like, man, I've had more fights than these guys or as many fights as these guys. So it's like, you know, what are, you know, the chances are pretty good, you know, pretty, pretty good. And so I was like, you know what, I can, uh, you know, I can either get scared and, uh, and and let this control me or I can I can control what I can control. I can't go to the... I can't go back in the past and take back all all those fights, but what I can do now is is, is take control of my actions now. And so I put that focused on onto things, um, learn learning more about how to heal the brain. And you know what? There are some incredible things about uh, the the brain is actually neuroplastic, so we can build new neural pathways through um, practicing mindfulness. Um, um, these things with with uh, that are coming out with. Um, uh, plant medicine like ayahuasca, but also psilocybin. Um, I've been I've been in touch with uh, Riley Cote and Daniel Carcillo, who are both um, big time enforcers in the league. And you know they're really advocating some incredible stuff with plant medicine, with CBD, and and now even psilocybin, and the effects on on the brain. When these things are used as as medicines, um, they're they're really powerful. And um, you know if you look at a guy like Riley Cote and Carcillo, they fought a lot too. And you know Cote was a super heavy. And, um, you know, I, I've talked with him and and he's, uh, you know, plant medicine has helped heal him and he's he's doing, you know, some powerful work with getting this out to players and 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 uh, and now even more so on the side with uh, with psilocybin. And, um, you know, these things have been looked at tabooed because, you know, they've been classified as drugs. But um, when used appropriately in a, in a good setting and responsibly, these things can heal and they've helped heal me. And it, and it's not just a one pill. It's a whole. It's whole a holistic um, approach that you know you're using a plant medicine, but also medit. You know meditation. Meditation helps um, regrow neural pathways, and also um, medicinal mushrooms like lion's mane. Um, lion's mane is something that you can buy at the health food store that promotes neurogenesis. So neurogenesis is regrowing um, parts parts of a damaged brain. There's actually studies on mice where they gave mice brain damage and then, um, they, they couldn't find their food. Um, but then they started giving the, the mice lion's mane and then they, 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 they healed from their brain disease. And so, you know, all these things, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. There's a, there's a guy named Paul Stamets who's like the mushroom, uh, master, you know, he's got some great, great things on, you know, brain health and, you know, there's, and there's people tapping into things like that for, uh, you know, like in Silicon Valley, like programmers and high-level entrepreneurs are, you know, are using, you know, microdosings of of psilocybin for um, um for, for for performance. And so, because um, it links up different neural pathways of, of, of the brain. So, it, like I said, it's not a one, it's not a one um, one pill. You know, if you just take, you know, mushrooms, is that gonna is that gonna help help yeah but how are how is your diet how are you eating how are you sleeping are you meditating what are you watching what are you consuming how are your relationships do you have a supportive group you know these are these are all things and you know I went through um, you, you know I've been um, I'm this August I'll be eight years sober no no alcohol and uh, and oh
1: uh, awesome, no, awesome yeah so good to hear it, James
0: yeah thank you and um you know one thing that's been paramount is that holistic approach and having a support group i you know i've had the um good experience of you know sitting in in ceremonies with the first nations and sweat lodges and i know uh i don't you weren't there but in our 19 year old year we actually did a team sweat lodge in chase and that was a powerful experience and you know i i went i went back to that and um these ceremonies that uh are indigenous um um first nations have here um and sitting in warrior circles where you know i i I sat with other other warriors who were were, uh were on hastings too almost almost that you know od almost some od'd and came back to life as well and are staying clean by you know whether it's aa or um, a program but um um, you know, I sat in these warrior circles and 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 learned, learned from these people. They were, they they became my teachers. And so, um, you know, from going, it, it, it's been an array of things. This journey, this spiritual journey, this healing journey, from going to India, from working with plant medicine, from going to warrior circles, from working with uh, people who re- recover from addiction. Because, you know, recovering from addiction, it it it, it takes a strength. Um, it it take, it takes a, a, a you know, if no one's ever had to had, had to go through it, 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 it's deep and you have to be a strong person to come out of it. And the same is and the same as with healing. Healing from, you know, if you've ever had a surgery, which a lot of hockey players have, you know, you have to be strong to come back out. You gotta be strong to rehab. Same as with depression and and, and mental illness. You know, you can you need to you need to you need to be strong and and disciplined and sometimes and when you're dealing with mental illness you know, sometimes it's like when you're in the depths of depression, it can feel impossible to feel strong. But um, but if it, but there is a way, you know, there, there, there is a way. And um, the foundation of it for me and um, it came from my spiritual connection and um, it came from, you know, giving my life to uh, a higher power, to God, to and um, to power greater than me. And, and, and that's really I did. I did that in my um while I was playing pro and that's really what kind of opened up a whole, you know, a whole door for me and, you know, really did a 180 in my life. And so, um, but yeah, that's, Well, it's, uh,
1: certainly, good. it's certainly good to hear that you're on a, on a good road, James. It gives me hope and, um, you know, I, it's, I, I can't even just, disc- we haven't talked for, I mean, I think the last time we saw each other was, I think you were playing in Ontario maybe or somewhere in the coast when I was in Victoria or somewhere like it's got to be close to like seven, eight, nine years, somewhere in there. But I mean, obviously a lot has happened and, um, I want to touch on, on just depression and suicide because a lot of the times, uh, even prior to my addiction, like when I was playing in the Western hockey league, like when I was 17, um, mm. I had to speak with my sports psychologist, Max Offenberger, like I had said um, about, you know, committing suicide. I remember calling my dad and being like, I'm going to eat a whole fucking ball of Tylenol right now. And like, it wasn't like, mm. I don't even know. It was just like mental health and they diagnosed me bipolar, the doctors and that. But I mean, I never stayed with no regimen for medication because I didn't want to believe that I had to take no, any pills. And I'm still not any, on any pills. Um, maybe I should look into that because uh, I don't know if it's the pills are the answer but the holistic approach is certainly gaining some my interest and, and gaining some steam in the world and and like i just think it's really interesting and um i i don't know like the suicides that have happened in hockey uh, are so tragic and mm-hmm. uh, i'm actually surprised at how many i've heard of that i hadn't heard of like guys that have played major junior or Grow yeah. somewhere that you wouldn't hear on like Sportsnet or something. Like guys, like you mentioned, like Rip, Rippin, and Um, uh, Another guy I want to really talk about um, is Ewan. Um, I don't I mean, know if you're familiar with his uh, Ewan. Uh, he killed himself, right? And um, that's basically what the NHL was was riding their whole coattails. Like, I don't know if you remember back when class action lawsuit came out the NHL, but they actually deemed it non-class action, something to do with the state laws or something like that. Um, Mm. But anyways, the NHL ended up settling out of court. I don't know if you know this. And um, it was like something like 300 and, 300-plus players, like 309 players or 318 players, something like that, were on this list, and they ended up coming to an agreement. But, I mean, it's, it's bullshit. Like, it's crazy. And when I was researching it today, like, it's bullshit. So there's 3, 318 players that were on the list, and they ended up settling, like, like whatever, not going through to the court. This is, and they, whatever, 18.9 million um, which worked out to be like twenty-two thousand a player, uh, and they're eligible for like seventy-five thousand in medical expenses. Like, I was like, that's a fucking slap in the face, like for the NHL. Like, that's crazy. Um, the NFL actually settled like a multi-billion-dollar lawsuit, but uh, the NFL at least acknowledged that CTE was the reason for all these things. The NHL actually still won't even admit any wrongdoing or admit that CTE is even a thing. Uh, They actually, I was watching this documentary on Todd Ewan. If you guys, if people listening have not, there's a little mini documentary and it is so fucking powerful. Uh, His, his um, wife, Kelly is actually, uh, she's filed a new lawsuit. So I think a few of these players actually took the money, but a lot of them are actually fighting the NHL individually. And this is kind of a a topic that is tough because I want to be a part of the hot world. And, and like this will piss owners off. And like, you got to be pissing owners off in the CHL with this class action lawsuit. But like I went, I actually didn't even know about your loss. The, you're the face of this lawsuit. Like you have a class action lawsuit against the CHL. And and I actually went on the website and I signed up. I put my information down. Funny because the, the day before I actually had a podcast. I went on there and like, I wouldn't even be a part of a, a class action lawsuit, this and that. Um, and I had no idea. Like I've been so fucking lost for these last few years. Like, I think my dad might've told me about it, but I, I was so been so like all over the place and just whatever polluted. I want to say um, that I didn't even know. And uh, after doing a research, uh, I read about the, the WHL and like, I've been thinking about over these years, there's not a whole lot of support for us. Like we didn't have careers in the NHL, um, but we're going to suffer for the rest of our lives. And who fucking knows what we're going to be like when we're 40 or 45 like you said there's things we can do and, and that's great but i, I don't know like so i definitely i'm i'm going to say that yeah i definitely filled out that form um whatever happens when it happens but when i saw the numbers on this nhl lawsuit like i was like wow, that's a slap in the face like now these guys can't even get medical coverage uh, like that's they weren't even before like why isn't all these why are these things not in place like look at me like me and you are videoing right now and this will be an audio podcast maybe i'll put it on youtube but like i don't have right and i can't even afford to right now to pay for a new plate um and that happened in the whl and they said i'm basically shit out of luck like that to me is like so what so i fucking went out every night in the western league yeah i was chasing my dream of playing in the nhl and that's whatever but do you feel like maybe they take advantage of that i don't want to sit here and and say that but i mean it's also a business like i don't know man like i i also found that there's a class action lawsuit. For not paying us minimum wage, and sure shit, I signed up for that one too, James.
0: <laughs> well, Leo, that this is a pretty loaded loaded question here, and um, it's a uh, it's an important topic, very important topic. Yep. And um, you know, as far I, i've had I've had a lot of support um, from NHL alumni um, around this around this lawsuit. And let me tell you, it, it was not easy um, to do because I knew um, it would ruffle feathers. And, um, you know, it Maybe was... Maybe that's
1: what we need, though.
0: Well, and so the question I had to ask myself and, you know, the re- first off, the reason why I'm doing it, you know, and why I decided to go forth was, um, you know, two reasons. One was... To bring change in the game, and I see um, there's there's a very easy fix to make the game safer for players and bring a shift in the game, especially in the junior level. Um, and I'll go more into that, and and then also the the other one was to um, protect uh, players and families. Um, who are going through this now because cte and the effects from it are, are not found usually in, in, until you know now you know like are in your in your right. later twenty and in, in, I- in your late later 20s and, and with it with the degenerative uh effects of it it happens um uh, to um as you as you get older and um so not it's not to scare anybody because I know a lot of guys will get scared to even listen to it because they're like, you know, I don't want to hear it. Uh, you know, and kind of sweep it under the rug, which um the NHL and the WHL are doing because they, you know, they'd rather not have anybody talk about it. But um yeah, these are these are real issues that need to be brought to light. And let me let me say like I had uh, you know, I had I have, you know, respect for for the WHL and I, you know, I I I I loved uh, my time in Kelowna and um you know the, the the way that I I was treated there was, you know, it it was, it was professional and I I you know they did um in the hockey world as far as running a, a an organization, you know, Bruce Hamilton does a does a great job and um you know I felt like a I felt like a family there. Well, I, you know, I felt like a family there and it felt, it felt, it felt really, you know, support, supported. And, um, however, with, within the hockey community, there, there's a lot of toxicity and, and, and it's not to, you know, and, and I'm not here pointing blame saying, you know, um, it's, it's, it's all these people's fault, but, um, at the end of the day, change, change needs to happen and changes. And it's coming through players Sharing the stories is coming through the books that are be, being written. You know, Ken Dryden's written a uh, great book on game change. It's coming through the articles that are coming out. But the um, the, the change that I see that needs to happen is there needs to be rule changes. You know, and people are going to be like, "How how can you say that you were you were a fighter? How come you could say you don't fighting shouldn't be in the game any anymore?" But I really think we're coming to a time where um, with the information that we have now, it's it's insane. It's insane to be able to let 16-year-olds, uh, uh, some 15-year-olds, to be able to fight three times in a game before being kicked out. I mean, if you fight once in rugby or football, you're ejected right away. Right away with, with suspensions. NCAA, you're, you're, not, you're not allowed to fight. Um, the Olympic hockey, you're not allowed to fight. World Junior and, and and that's great hockey and the whole and you know the whole thing and i used to i used to to believe that too well you know it'd be chippy it'd just be like a little a little cheap shot game you know well we we're, we're, we're not getting this kind of stuff in europe we're not getting you know the all, all 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 the cases of what we're seeing in north north america and it is a good game the olympic game it is a good game world juniors is some of the best game we don't we don't need it, but as a culture, we've been addicted to it. Of violence, sex, drugs, and violence is addic- is addictive. We've been addicted to it. I was yeah. in that addiction. I was addicted, to the, you know, the, the, the rush of fighting when you got thousands of people screaming, you know, holy, sh-, like, you know, you're going off the ice and you just, yeah, you know, man. just go toe to toe. It's just like, oh my God, there's still, you know, where, where do you get that feeling? And, and you do that, you know, 25, 30 times a year man it's it's it, it, it's i've i've never you know it's it, it's like a how shot we of how do you recreate that
1: well that, that we that's
0: where that, that?
1: Well,
0: so, that's where people that's and, that's where people go go, go thing,
1: yeah.
0: that that and that that's go what ahead, leads, that, that's what leads to addiction for a lot of people you know where it's like you know you go to the alcohol or to the drugs or um you know to to, to 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 try and find that void but that thing that we're trying to find was an addiction in the first place you know that adrenaline that you create it it stimulates parts of the brain which is very similar to soldiers going out into the into war and they're coming back with PTSD and you, when you come back your amygdala which is the part of the brain which is fight or flight response is overstimulated and so you're coming back into regular life and you're just like okay just you know kind of go figure it out and um, but like you're trained to be a friggin' assassin, how to you know? So, have for me, you, for me, I had to go sit. Have, and,
1: you had any, have you had any trouble, James? Like, uh, off the ice, like with all, like, I know I've obviously it's been public, I've had some legal issues, and that's a story for another day. I, I'm gonna share about how what happened there. There's obviously one incident that's a lot worse than the others, but most of them stand for my time down on Hastings and I was just trying to support my addiction and I was doing things that were petty and I'd never thought that I would do in a million years. But, um, I don't know, like, I also know that during that time, um, I used my fighting, uh, to my advantage, uh, my time in the, uh, underworld, let's say, um, I've punched out a lot of people um off the ice where uh it could have got me in a lot of trouble or I could have injured somebody and now with a clearer mind um like yourself you and I are probably two of the nicest guys you can meet but w- you put us in those situations in-, in hockey and I think about it like it's it's crazy you have to go from zero to a hundred uh mm. in no time and then you have you're expected to turn it off and uh Uh, And then what? And that's why I think too, like in the summer times, I used to get in myself into so much trouble because i like, I didn't know I'd, maybe you're right. Like trying to recreate that adrenaline or or whatever. But like I said, it on a one podcast, I remember playing Moose Jaw, my last game ever playing for Swift Current and the whole Crush Can shouting my last name. Like, you know, (laughs) and then when I played pro after my comeback down in Wichita, the same thing. Right. But like, like, yeah, yeah. i don't know and it's crazy so when i got into this life of crime and violence um that and and drugs that was the closest thing for me to recreate that adrenaline and obviously it's extremely unhealthy unsafe i I spent three of the last five years behind bars um if it was never for addiction and and drugs like drugs that would have never been my story uh and it makes me wonder if if it's due to the concussions sustained. Like, never mind the concussions in junior and pro. I know I, I got hit hard in bantam and kiwi. Like, when you're just learning how to play hockey, let's say, um, you know, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not everybody, but and then so you, maybe you have one or two in minor hockey, and now you're going to junior hockey, and you're like, do you realize how many times you put your head at risk? for what? What did you get back? I want to know. Like, was it, was it worth it? Like,
0: well, you know, that's, it's a tough question and it, 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 it is a, it's a high, high powered question, but, you know, to look back and say, you know, is it worth it? And I, I try not to live into the past too much, but I, I take, you know, I'm grateful for the past. And I also see where we can learn from the past. And um, I think for me, hockey is, it it has a, I love hockey, you know, I I love it. And I I think, you know, I've had so many good memories and yet there's been a lot of, um, you know, a lot of challenges um, that I think can be prevented now for the younger generations. There, There is a lot of toxicity in the culture and it's not just hockey. There's toxicity everywhere, but us, if, if we look at the greater picture us as a, as, a, as a society we're going through um, a huge transformation we're evolving our consciousness is evolving um, and as our consciousness evolves everything evolves so um, there's a famous philosopher who's, who says something along the lines is um, our art and entertainment is is an expression of our current of the society's current consciousness. And right now, hockey is, is like the religion in Canada. And um, for for years, we've been, uh, sell, you know, gathering around, watching, you know, l- letting violence take place. And we all know violence is, is, is wrong. We all know, you know, if, if there was fights to happen on a street, you know, people to go toe-to-toe on a street, you know, 16-year-olds in front of a big crowd, it would be stopped or these people would go to jail and... But if, it, if it's on the ice, it's, it's said, you know what, that's a heroic thing. And, um, and I can understand that, you know, um, when I was playing, you know, it's like, wow, you're facing your fears, you're sticking up for your teammates. But I'm, what, 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 it's, it's time for us to um, evolve from that and transcend that and say, you know what, there's a way that we can still have an incredible game and not be giving each other brain damage. And what it takes is leaving... Um, letting go of a culture addiction of violence and um, so I think it's important that and, and it's gonna happen um, you know it's but I, I think what's happening is the rule makers are needing needing to be held accountable um, because if you can still fight three times in a game with the information that we have right now to me that's unacceptable um, because these young players are very vulnerable and the rules are, are very important I, I I feel it should be a, an automatic uh, game misconduct, and if you do that, the fighting is going to decrease even more. It, yes, it has decreased a lot since we've played, but it, players are still squaring up, going and going toe to toe. Like you, can, you can drop the gloves and square up for thirty seconds, and the rest will let you fight. It should be broken up right away. And the thing is, it's not taken seriously because it's been accepted for so long. But really. Um, how I see it, it is life or death because it's not, it's not, it, someone might, so, some people have died on the ice right away from hitting their head, but it's not that most times what we're seeing, it's the years after, and maybe someone doesn't commit suicide, but they're, but they're suffering and their families are suffering because they have, um, someone who is, you know, depressed and not able to be fully present with their family or you know, and so, um, this is very serious. Vi- violence um, is destructive, and violence has been um, an addiction to our to, to our culture. And it's not pointing the finger, blaming the owners or blaming, but collectively we need to take responsibility and come together and make a change. And for when I was presented with the class action, I look. I, I looked at, "Okay, um, this is something that's being presented to me. If I," um, if i if i if I walk away and 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 don't do it, it was kind of like a thing, you know when you're on the ice and and, and it kind of relates back to sm- making a stand and standing up for your teammates. and um, where you know, if a guy got cheap shot on the ice, i i I'd, I'd stand up right away. And it's kind of funny relating it to this, but how I'm seeing and what's happening right now is there's a lot of people even totally unaware and not wanting to look at um, what what's happening, um, where people are, getting hurt. And so this is, this is a way of making a stand and saying, you know what, this isn't right. This isn't, this isn't right anymore. And we need to, we need to hold a higher accountability, a higher responsibility. And that starts, that does start with the rule makers. That does start with the rule makers. And if, if the, you know, the excuse of saying, um, well, this is get this, if you, if you don't have fighting in, there's going to be more cheap shots. I say BS because now there, there's two things we can do. We can make the rinks bigger. If you make it Olympic size, at, at least, you know, you're going to have more room. So there's not going to be, you know, that, that that tight area where we've been playing on the same ice surface for 100 years. Now, look at the speed of guys. I think the ice surface should be bigger. That's going to lessen I the agree. injuries. And, and then um, – and with all the cameras and technology that we have, I mean – if a guy does a cheap shot behind the play, it shouldn't be up to a guy to come take his head off to penalize him for it. There, sh- there should be enough cameras on the ice where you can stop the play. There's a video replay and you can say, oh, that guy just, you know, cheap shot of the guy behind yeah. the ice. That's a game misconduct. And players will want to play. If you put if you put the rules at a high enough standard where there's fines and game misconducts, you'll get rid of it. And what it's going to do it's going to hold a higher morality for the players because we're all responsible we're all responsible we got we got, we 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 have to we have to evolve as a culture and that, that's everybody and so um, the, the this is all part of it it's all it's all part of a, a healing journey it's all part of a journey of um, raising our consciousness and and seeing that what what is going to be um what is going to be healthy And beneficial as a whole and a collective um, for us now, for the players who have been hurt, but also for future generations. Because I know, um, you know, the kids coming up. I wouldn't want my kids to go through that. I wouldn't put. I wouldn't put them in a in in an environment where um, they're susceptible to that. And it's sad to say, but I love hockey. But um, I think some changes need to be made. And there's. The support what, that i've gotten from
1: dad saying about all this what's ed saying about all this uh, for the people that didn't uh or heard last time we used to call everyone by their f- dad's first names in Kelowna. so i actually called james ed so but his dad's name is ed um what is ed saying about this and 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 how was he throughout all this because you you were born in terrace but you grew up in Kelowna. you were the hometown kid so uh, obviously your dad has friends in the town um uh, you always had friends and family at the games. Uh that that must have brought a lot more pressure. Uh especially like I couldn't imagine that. And and man, if you're listening to this, James McEwen and YouTube, man, like these fights are fucking insane. Like, oh my god, the one with Garrett Hunt, I posted in my in my page and and then I went back and I watched like a few more of them and they're all like that, except for the one where your hand got stepped on. And and, like, yeah, I can smile and laugh about it. And, like, I'll be honest, I hated Garrett Hunt probably more than anybody in my whole life growing up and then playing against him. But at the same time, I have respect for him uh, and what he does as a hockey player. Uh, and he's still doing it. Like, I, I just – I don't understand it. So, um, yeah, what is – what's Ed saying about all this?
0: He's supportive, you know. Like, the, the support I get from my family is, is solid. And, um, you know, I, I think as a parent – I think it can be hard as a parent to see that, holy crap, because, you know, he didn't, we didn't, we didn't know the damages of, of fighting, you know, whereas it's like, you know, when I went in to go drop the gloves and to go fight, I never worried about brain damage. I just, I just didn't want to get knocked out because I didn't want to be humiliated and, and not make the team, you know, but if, uh, if, if we knew that, if we knew that what we knew now, I wouldn't have done it. And but we we now 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 we need to take responsibility, and it's not. Um, so as far as my dad, you know, he's 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 supportive, and um, you know, he's What's talked the to
1: ultimate us- goal. What's the ultimate goal with this with this class action lawsuit? Because I mean, uh, I mean, it could be detrimental to the Canadian Hockey League, like it really could. But and I've really thought about it these last couple of days since I it came to fruition, and. And, uh, doing further research into the NHL and the way that they're handling it, I'm extremely disappointed in them. And I didn't even actually know a lot of this until earlier this morning when I read this, like, um, so Todd even was a, an enforcer in hockey, like I said, and there's this little mini documentary, but, um, anyways, when he died, his wife donated his brain and, uh, basically the original findings were that he didn't have CTE. So now when all this was coming, coming out and there's this lawsuit, basically Gary Bettman and the lawyers that the NHL hired, uh, used this diagnosis from this doctor, um, this doctor, Lizzie Naz Hazarati, is her name. And basically she was the one. So, uh, Then it came out further that the NHL was, she's actually on their payroll, and uh, she actually signed court documents um, saying that, you know, she gets paid $5,000 an hour, and up at that point, she had already been paid $25,000 up to that point, Um, you know. And then uh, Kelly Ewan actually went and got a set, because she knew, like, Um, Todd Ewan actually came to her and was like, Hey, like something's wrong with me. And basically uh, a few months before he committed suicide, there was an, actually an episode where he called his wife. It was in 2015. He was only five miles from home, but he called her and said he was lost and he didn't know where he was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and these are the things you don't hear about. And, and he had multiple fights and he actually came, he didn't know anything about CTE, but he came to his wife, Kelly and said, Hey, I think I might have CTE. He ended up, you know, he said to her he didn't want to be a burden to her uh, and all this. And he ended up committing suicide. But Gary Bettman still won't even retract the statement. The NHL will not recognize that CTE is, is even a disease. And Hazarati says that CTE is not a real disease. But I watched this thing like she is the only doctor, the only neurologist in the entire pretty much fucking world that will say that. And why is it that the NHL is the only, like, why the NFL is recognizing it? No problem. Yes, CTE. Um, there are devastating effects later on down the line, and this is, and that's, and they have no problem. But why is it hockey? Why are we, as a, hockey is the only, you know, major sport that is not recognizing it, and they're actually protecting their own interests because they market the violence. and. Um, they have for a long time and they make money off of it, especially down in, you know, southern states like where you played. You played in Gwinnett and, and down there, like a lot of those places, especially in minor pro, they, they rely on fighting. Um, I know that if there aren't fights in games, a lot of fans are pissed off. They're not really there to watch the hockey in a lot of these places. Uh, In Canada, we can appreciate the skill a lot more because we grew up with it and we know the game a little bit more. But I remember when the Everett Silvertips came into the Western Hockey League, and this is Everett. This is just by Seattle, not far from Vancouver. It's closer to Vancouver than it is Seattle. So I remember going down there with my dad to watch a lot of the games, like their expansion year. And I remember, like, the announcer being like – They'd be like, say the the Silvertips were playing us, the Rockets. They'd be like, Kelowna Rockets icing. And then the fucking place would go crazy. Like, they had no idea. They were cheering for icings each other. you know what I mean? Like, like ringing their cowbell. They had no fucking idea. And they used to lose it. I'm, I'm not knocking the fans in Everett because actually they're some of the best fans. You know what I mean? And they've come a long way. And they know their hockey now. But what I'm saying is that was just a small example, like down in some of these Southern states that, you know, people, I've never even heard of some of these places that have minor pro league teams. You know what I mean? That some of these places we played in and got to go see, like uh, you slugged it out in the minors, chasing your dream of playing pro hockey a lot longer than I did. And in doing so um, like when you get to pro especially like the guys you fought in the WHL were all heavyweights. Like you fought Derek Bougard's little brother, Aaron. He was tough. Uh, who quickly, who was the toughest guy in the dub that you fought? That would you say, who was that? Like the guy that you fought that was like, maybe the most trouble in a fight or that you were actually like, aside from Fitzgerald, the story you said earlier, like who was like one guy that you're like, fuck, I don't want to fight this guy again.
0: Uh, probably Lucic, Cassian, Bougard. And, mm-hmm. um, those three, those three, those are, yeah, yeah, sure, but, and, and but those, hey, are,
1: those are the three, that, those are the three I would expect.
0: But uh, Leo, just, I, I just want to make sure um, that, you know, people listening know, Todd Ewan did get his brain retested, uh, his wife got his brain yes. retested by another doctor, yes. and they, they did find CTE in yes. it, and so, yes. Um, okay. which, which I, wanted, to, I
1: was getting to that. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah
0: no, I know. So I know. I know. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot to cover there. And so it's, uh, but, but it's just important to know that now every brain ha- has found that. And, um, so it, it, it th- this is, this is, you know, it's very, it's very important to, to, to look at and it's very now important to make, to make the changes. And, um, there, there, um, for, for players listening, you know, if, if you're worried about, about it, um, you know, if you're suffering from depression or going through memory stuff, you know, don't panic. But the thing is, you you can you can start to heal. You can start to make changes. And you know, I've 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 talked to a lot of players, especially after the class action came out and 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 uh, and, one of, and some of the articles have come out. I've had, you know, multiple guys that even that I've fought have you know have reached out and um, and the support that that we've gotten um, from NHL alumni. From guys who are still playing in the league who can't really say anything because if they do, it'll affect their next contract. But they're like, yeah. you, know, they're, you know, a lot of respect. They're like, you know what? You're, uh, this is a good thing that needs to be done. And I'm talking, you know, guys that I'm not going to drop names because I'm not th- going to throw anybody under the bus, but I'm not going to
1: say names. I know who hangs out in Kelowna and I know there's a lot of big NHLers around there and there's still around there. We don't even have to say names. Um, I'm just happy to hear that like, guys are being supportive. Um, I'm, I wish I knew about it a little bit earlier. And like I said, like I went on my, my podcast and said, you know, I knew the responsibilities, but now that I'm seeing it, it's like, I have – I don't – like I said, I don't care really to – I'm not – we never – like even doing this podcast, I'm not doing it to even make money or do anything because it's actually costing me fucking money to do it. But I'm enjoying doing it. It's an outlet. But like, yeah, it's just – I don't know, man. Like, it's all pretty – crazy, man. Like
0: I, 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 I want to bring something up that you talked about 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 with the uh, regard regarding the money because that's one thing that um, you know you get you get some negative backlash that's come from um, actually not really from any players but more so I think from I don't know I've just I've gotten you know some random messages and even yeah some some weird stuff that you get from people I don't even know who these people are. But, um, you know, oh, you're just, yeah. you know, you're just doing it to get money. A washed up, you know, guy who never made the NHL just wanted to get money. Well, um, first off, like, no. And but also, yeah, is there g- financial compensation that we're going for with the class action? Yes. And because I have been out a lot of pocket um, for, for my healing and, you know, from um, the trainings that I've had to do from my, you know, the holistic healing route that I've had to go um, it, it's cost a lot of a lot of money and um,
1: there's no support and, eh there's and, no support when you no, leave the league there's but, none eh like, well, like it, and, and it, there's um uh, like for medical expenses or anything like that once you're done or whatever like um i just man i want to see change too and but, it man i, I don't know it, it, leo leo I think what let, you're let's doing is, is, okay.
0: Let, let for, I, I just don't want this to go un, un, unsaid because I heard you talking about this on your podcast too, but we're talking about the scholarship, you know, and that that scholarship, um, you know, could be a, a great thing and a lot of players take advantage of it. Like, you know, the Jess Can did it, and man, good for him. And, you know, Chris Ray did it, Westy did it, but there is a lot of guys who go out and play pro and then I, I know, like, for me, like, I was... I was focused on making the NHL. How I, how I made the dub was, you know, I just got a tryout and got there. And you know what? I, that's how I was going to make the NHL. And, you, you know, it, it didn't, you know, if I got one contract, you know, the minimum is five 500K, half a mil. Or, you know, you, 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 you get that. And, you know, if you're getting paid a million dollars, I can see that you don't need that scholarship. But, I mean, for yeah, guys I agree, who ha- yeah. for guys who hack it out in the coast, or even go to some places in Europe and you know, who guys aren't making big bucks and you and you come after your career. Like for me, I played, you know, five or five years or so pro. And when I came out, it's like, you know, there's no schol- scholarship. And I, I didn't really think anything of it. And I'd be like, you know what? That would have been really nice to have, you know, especially after that transition where um, of coming out where you have like, you know, that time it's like, well, what do I do now? And um, it didn't make didn't make the NHL. I don't have, you know a few mil in the bank to, you know, invest in a business or, or, you know, invest in my education. It's like, you know, I, you know, I, I did work, you know, I, you know, I, I, built, you know, a personal training business. I, I was able to, to do things, but um, man, that scholarship would have been nice. And you know, where did that money go? You know what, how, it's
1: how, it's not how- like there's a lot of players coming through that. It's not like it's millions of people that they have to take care of. It's a very select few. If you're playing in the Western Hockey League, it's. And then you think about it like, okay, the guys that there's guys that go on to play in the NHL, you don't have to worry about paying their scholarship. Like, are they really that hard up for money? Like, well, and no, if that's, that's the it. case, then well, why are we considered professional? And why don't we play in the WHL? Why, why can't we just not be considered professional and still go and get a, an NCAA scholarship then after? You know what I mean? They don't pay us anything, anyways.
0: Well, that from the information that I've got is there the W the CHL is actually under contract from the NHL and they can't make any rule changes and so they they are kind of like a farm team in a feeder league to the to the NHL but they they they, they, they consider themselves major junior not not pro um, although the NCAA considers them pro but they've they've changed some things and it's all it's all very you know very political and very very sneaky but um, um, I really think that scholarship needs to be changed. And I've talked to people, people that, that, you know, who are high up in the organization who have brought that even, even to the board, like to their board meetings of the education. And, um, and then they were, they, they weren't asked to come back to the meeting. I was talking to, um, some, someone, and, um, I'm not, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, like I said, but I was talking to, no, we're you, not you, doing you, that. you know, i i was was talking to you know someone who's involved uh, a a higher up in in an organization and i was like you you know like i said this scholarship thing needs uh like what's up with that i was like you know what like guys like me and you know so many other guys who came out of the league and we could really use that scholarship how come i only had i had six months you know to, to to choose after i was like you know, until Christmas, my first year pro. Now I think it's a year, but it's like, you know, and and they say, well, they want you to take action on it so it just doesn't go to waste. I say, well, we're primed to be, to go to the, to, you know, to, to play pro, like in the dub, in the you're primed to be a pro. And that's where most guys want to go. The mindset's there, but why not, why is that ever taken away? Or why not have like a, a seven-year limit on it or something like that? Because- you know, the partnerships ten
1: year, that fifteen yeah, years. Like maybe I don't figure it, my shit out for ten years.
0: Dude, it, it should never go away. You know, you we you you earn that. But to say that, okay, you go play a couple years in the coast, now now your four year, five year scholarship, it's void. Sorry, you know, sorry, you made five hundred bucks a week. Uh no, you don't get that scholarship. You can kind of figure it out. What if you go play a year and you get injured? You know, that that's that's what happened to me. I kept getting injured. I had I had seven like seven surgeries in four years and I'm not saying, oh, whoa it was me. Yeah, I chose to do it. But man, the system could be set up better where we could be where we could be building these players up because, man, guy got hockey players, man, are they're awesome people. You know, with with the determination, you, you take that they could be so much better in society instead of guys coming out and, you know, really struggling where it's like, take that effort, you know, if you can go to school, use that scholarship, it's just, it's just making better people for culture, better people for the society. But, um, I, I, I really think, It'd be
1: interesting, uh, you know. It, I, I would like to do more for, for WHL alumni and, 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 you know, helping guys in that transition that maybe aren't going to go the NHL route. Like, Just to get that, just to make sure that they're fully educated in the decisions they're making in everything and and how hard the the pro minor life can be and how fucking cutthroat it is. Like you heard, you know, Hoodie's story and and I'm going to share some stories on later podcasts, but like, you know, I'm sure you have some too where you, you just feel like um, you've kind of been had and, you know, you feel like you're going to be a part of this team and, and then all of a sudden they can just fucking be done with you at the drop of a hat. And, and then what? And now you, like you said, you don't have your scholarship money. The fuck am I going to go do pump gas for the rest of my life? No offense to people that work at a gas station or anything like that. But I'm just saying like, your options are very limited. And it, I don't know, man, like, I just like more needs to be done. And like, what kind of effects are you having from the concussions? Like, what kind of symptoms are you living with, and are, are they getting worse with age? I know you said you you're doing healing, but mm. uh, there are things we can do. But at the same time, are not some are some of these some of these things are, are
0: permanent? Are they not? Um. Well, the way that I. Everything's impermanent, and one of one of the one of the uh, my the spiritual teachings that I follow is the law of impermanence, where this life is impermanent. This body that I have, you know, I'm 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 not always going to be here. You're not always going to be here. The, you know, these, everything is always changing. And so, when you're in a state of pain or suffering, knowing that, well, this is temporary. And yeah, is, is there such thing as like you know, permanent brain damage or, yeah, those things are are real but also the power of our mind and our power to cultivate healing is real and um so do i do i have symptoms sometimes some of the symptoms that 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 uh and challenge that i face can be you know can be depression can be anxiety can be you know things with memory um but have i done things to improve that and continue to get better yes and that that's just been a, an adaptation to my lifestyle where, you know, I'm very disciplined in, in my life and, and to make sure that I'm growing. Am I, am I stronger and better than I am now than I was, you know, last year? Yes. Am I, and how about to even when I was 20? Man, completely different, you know. And have I gone through a lot of struggles and, you know, symptoms of CTE? Yes. Can, if, if you just Google it and you look at all the symptoms, I've gone through probably all of them. Probably all Me of them, too. and I, and 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 that that that's being you know, putting myself out there. But that's not, but that's not what I focus on. And, and am I am I doing, am I doing well right now? Yeah, I'm focused on my health. You know, I'm focused on being healthy. And and I think what what really helps too is empowering other people and talking about it and being like this is what's working. You know what? You know the meditation works. The having a you know an, a, a holistic healthy lifestyle works and is key you know so doing all these things having healthy relationships um having places where you can talk whether it's therapy um or 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 groups um these things need to be had and i think there's something very important about uh players who have, because our experiences are so similar you know i've talked to you know dozens of players now who have gone through such similar things and every time we have a conversation it's so energizing and and um and healing and empowering because it's like oh we're not alone and the thing is i think what happens a lot of times with things like depression um is like you feel alone it's like i got to go through this battle alone but like i'm here to, i'm here to tell you and because i i know i know you know you have you've been open about it with the battles that you have it's like you know um, you go through your battles, and, and there's probably people listening. You know, other hockey players going through battles too. You're not alone. You're not alone, and there's other people. And it, and I'll, I'll say it straight up: if you know, reach out, reach out, and and there's um, there, there there's help out there, and there's resources out there. And I think you know, part of it now, there's more things accumulating because there's nothing in place now. There still needs to be better things in place. But what we're doing here is we're, we're pretty much hacking through the woods and forming a new way, a new way of healing and then also bringing a change to culture. So there's two things, you know, taking care of the people who have been hurt, bringing awareness and then showing these ways where we can uh, where we can help and make change and then creating social change. So, you you know, I'm kind of answering a question that, you know, was a, it was a few minutes ago, which was about, you know, what's the intention with the class action? Well, the class actions is it, it's, it's, it's a means. It's a means to bring social change. To bring culture change and to bring healing um, to the people who have been injured and hurt, and so I think the two go, the two go hand in hand. And so um, we're uh, we're empowered in numbers, and you know there's a lot of us, and there's a lot of us. And when we link arms, we we walk, you know, together. No matter if we played together, whether we fought each each other, it's like we're there's something greater going on here. And I know when people listen to it, they can feel it, you know, get goosebumps when we talk about it because there is something beyond us and we're just more conduits of helping bring this change. But this change wants to come through and there's power in numbers. And I think in, 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 in hockey, especially coming up in the dub, we've been thought of as, as powerless where it's like, oh, if you do this, you know, you're traded, you're gone. And then I think he, then even after it's like, you know, your former player, you have this reputation, you know, oh, you know, there's all there's so much honor and respect and pride that comes with it. But now it's like we need to speak up and be real, you know, be real with what's going on and be like, this is what's happening. And when this happens, we find out, whoa, we're not alone. And whoa, my voice matters. Like I had no idea what was going to happen after this article came out. But all I knew, there was something in my heart that said, I I just have to be real. I have to, you know, I was talking to CBC and I was like, you know, told them about, I was going through depression and had, you know, times of suicidal ideation. Dude, that, that was, that was, uh, that was very vulnerable. And for, for me to share that weakness, because, you know, in the past that would have been looked at as as such weakness, but what came from that was, was a strength and the support that I've gotten from that and, um, and how it's, helped other people too to say hey you're not alone and you don't have to go through this alone and the more people gather share their stories and share the truth you know there's a saying um, jesus says we're coming to easter now so it's good timing the truth will set you free the truth will set you free so now it's time to tell the truth we need to tell the truth of what's going on we need to tell the truth of what we you know what's happened and, and the truth of what do we need to see um, to create a better future for the game, a better future for our culture, a better future for the next generations. And it it starts with what you're doing, Leo, by having this podcast, what other players are doing, what you're feeling called to do. And this is part of your healing journey as well. The more you share your story and the more people come out and and, and talk about things that matter and start sharing the truth, not this superficial stuff, you know, about things that, you know, you know that that superficial, this plastic society. We're seeing that th- this stuff is crumbling, man. This stuff is crumbling in front of our eyes, and we're seeing it now with the, you know, everything that our whole world is going through. You know, the constructs of this world, the the, 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 the is falling away. We're going through a huge shift as as, 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 as as globally, and then within that, in in our cultures, we're going through a huge shift, and then individually. So now is a time to bind together, you know, there's power in numbers. And it, it, it's not th- this, this, this lawsuit in particular, it's not us versus them, even though, yeah, it says, you know, you know, the W you know, on, on the thing, it might say James McEwen versus the CHL. You know, I'm not looking this as I'm, I'm not pointing fingers or blaming. I'm looking at this as a way to make change. And, you know, they we're we're all in this together, inclu- including the owners, the rule makers, all the players. You know, we need to collectively take care of each other. We need to collectively make a healthier uh, society and culture and game and world for for everybody.
1: James, I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic, and um, there's probably not a better guy uh, to lead the charge. Um, you certainly have my support. Um, I don't know how my, how many guys uh, have reached out to you and that, but uh, there's so many things that are great about playing in the Canadian Hockey League. And, and we, we have so many great memories. You and I got to spend a lot of time together before your injury, because we were 20 and we sat at the back of the bus, um, you <laughs> know, and got to, you and I got to know each other that way. And uh, uh, we, you know, we had a lot of fun shooting the shit late nights, coming home. And, and it's times like that, you know, that I miss and, and playing and, and obviously uh, I said before the thing I miss most is warm up with the music and that that's one of my favorite things but uh, uh, I certainly don't miss having that anxiety or the fear of having to fight or, or anything were you ever told like I don't want to ever say like what coach or what year or whatever but were you ever told like hey you have to go fight right now
0: well it's kind of like I think I probably was ver- verbally but then there's also the nonverbal where it's like oh they're fighters on pull that guy off the queue and you're up you know like yeah
1: oh, yeah okay. yeah like that's yeah, super I'm... fucked up how do you say that that's so crazy <laughs> right that's happened to me too right like or or like if you're on the other or if you're on the ice and then the other team pulls that shit right yeah, yeah. like and and that's kind of a fucked up situation because like, you can really have two guys that don't want to fight, but oh, yeah. the coaches want them to or whatever. So, that yeah, man, I never thought of that. Like, yeah, the non-verbal, like, yeah, the the, the last minute line change to, to put you out there with that, not even with your line mates, you know, like pull off, pull somebody off to put you out there to line up next to them. And like, you know, <laughs> what if you don't, you know what I mean? Like, then what?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. Then, then it's like, oh, you you don't play. You're you don't scratched. have a choice, right? You don't have a you don't have a choice, right? Like, but, but That's but you know what? crazy. I never thought of that. And and, and, and and with all due respect, it's like, yeah, like, but the coach the coaches they're part of a system too. They wanna, you know, they're looking at a, a, as a means of intimidation to win, you know, so they yep. so they can feed their families. But it's like, we can dissolve all that right now by by um, doing what the NCAA is doing. You're not allowed to fight. Yeah. You know, it's very simple. simple.
1: And I, I used to totally be like, Hey, like, you know, hockey or fighting is a part of hockey. Cause yeah, but that, that's just the way we grew up. So it's all we know. But really the object of hockey is to put the fucking puck in the net. Where does fighting, I get it. Hockey is, it happens at such a high speed and like you have a stick and, and like, like people, someone slash you. You want to? Fight. I don't know. Like your automatic reaction. Like mine, I my fight or flight is usually the fight. Like I still yeah. to this day, and it gets me in a lot more trouble than it ever has anything. And a lot more. Most of my fights came because of like protecting teammates. Like you remember when I fought that that great big giant Swede Patrick Magnuson? He was six foot nine because he buried longer from behind.
0: Do you remember that? Yeah, he was like
1: the biggest. He was like the biggest guy in the league, but like probably the biggest pussy too. Right? Like,
0: <laughs> you couldn't find
1: him, but he was so big, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just things like that, like where you're not even thinking. And the the thing about fighting is, is anything can happen, and it doesn't matter if you you can hit a guy or you can take a hit, and and everything can change in the blink of an eye. So um, yeah. definitely, you have my support with with this class action lawsuit. It was kind of like I said, it was funny just because. The, the one before i was like i don't think i would ever do it but then like literally not even 24 hours later i'm eating my words i'm on the uh, klein lions Good Day or whatever like you know like so and honestly to, my whole thing with it too is to is to bring change that was my whole when i thought about it and made the decision to to do it it's, it's not only just because hey this is like a guy that was my captain with Colonel, it's my teammate i'm not i gotta be on this team but at the same time it, it, Something has to be done. Um, I don't ever want to see like so, like the Canadian Hockey League fall apart or anything like that. I think it's such a big, strong. They won't. They won't fall apart. They,
0: they, they, won't. No, they won't.
1: They won't. They, won't. They, they, they won't. they, they, they won't. They're such a strong business model, and and like it's the greatest ho- junior hockey league in the world. So let's make it the greatest junior hockey league in yeah. the world, not the greatest fighting league in the world or whatever and i think yes you're right a lot of change has has come but uh, it's still a long way to go i, I really you're right though the whl and the nhl are they they work together so it, it, it's hard but as soon as the, the nhl recognizes uh that cte is a real thing then you're going to see uh probably the whl hop on board with that right away too but um at the end of the day like uh, what's going on with the lawsuit is it in court right now or or
0: what's the status of it uh yeah we've been assigned a, ju- a judge and um, right now um, things have kind of been postponed with uh, with the covid 19 but um yeah so uh, um, there's there's players signing up a lot of uh, a lot of team a lot of teammates uh, you know I'm not obviously not gonna say anybody's name but uh, uh, a lot of teammates a lot of guys that that I've fought um, but Um, it's, it's W H L O H L and Q. So it's all, all C H L. And, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's online and all the details are on there to, you know, what it's, I've been, I've been, you know, happy with, with the lawyers because why I chose to work with them is the revision is the same. They want social change and it's not, it's not just a thing to, um, you know, like a money grab thing or anything like that. Although um, financial compensation is a part of it because if you've had injuries, you know, you, that, that's a way that uh, it, it, it can't take away the injuries, but it can help um, with, with your healing process as well too. Ab- so, uh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and,
0: and, and it's, it's important not, uh, not, not, not to deny that, but uh, yeah. So, 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 things are underway. Uh, players, players are signing up and, uh, and, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's, have it's you, a, it's have, you cool look,
1: have you looked at maybe, um, to the options of a class action lawsuit in minor pro or, or what does you that know, look like? Because it, I was going to say too, because once you get to pro, I, I mentioned this earlier and then I started going somewhere else because, I started talking about all these guys you fought in junior. like these guys were legit heavyweights. like mm-hmm. these guys are fucking big men. But then when you went to play pro, minor pro pro, now we are not playing sixteen to twenty. Now these are grown ass men, and now you're bigger, stronger, faster, and more dangerous. So I mean, I mean, how does that like where does that? Like are you looking at that or is it more are you focused on? Because I think if we make the change at the junior level first and, and start protecting these kids' brains, it, that's got to be the most important the most important view or, or um, you know focus, but um, certainly, uh, I didn't really feel a lot of protection when I was playing Minor pro. actually, I felt none at all, and oh, no. uh, I had a concussion. I had a concussion injury, and basically they were trying to get me. Buddy, it, I had to fight with the PHPA, the Professional Hockey Players Association the Union, for the AHL and East Coast League. Um, luckily, they were good, but this team did not want to pay me and did not want to. They just wanted to get me off the team and, and be done with me bring in the next new guy to probably screw them over if they get a concussion. It was just, you know what I mean? Like, I understand, like, you know, you're trying to win for a team, but um, I don't know. it it really made me hate the game of hockey and I stopped watching hockey for a long time. And, and I'll be honest, it wasn't until I went to jail that I started watching that Tim and Sid show. And, uh, um, I, you know, and I started, I started to be able to be proud of the guys that I played with instead of being jealous or envious or being like, Oh, I could have been better than that guy. Or I fought that guy or dah, dah, dah. But obviously things happened the way they did. And I made some decisions, the, the ones that I made and I have to live with those. But, um, certainly, I live with a lot of these symptoms. I have a lot of headaches, man. My memory is so bad. My short term memory is so, so bad. Um, so, yeah, like after thinking about it, you know, you have my 100% support. Um, again, I like the way you worded it. It's not an us versus them thing. I don't see it that way either. Um, it is. You open a big can of worms, and uh, a couple of people have talked to me and said, yo, I got to be careful because. Um, I work for them or whatever, and I, and yeah. I can appreciate that, and I can totally. appreciate that and understand that. And um, but at the same time, these people can appreciate and understand that we have to protect ourselves too. And
0: um, yeah, you know, uh, it, 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 it is a can of worms because even like you know, it's from 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 the coaches and everybody. It's it, it's 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 intertwined, but um, it, it has kind of put the pressure on to, for changes that to, to need to happen and. And like I say, I don't, uh, you know, I don't, um, it, it, it isn't us first them, but it's, it, it's drawing a sand in line and making a stand to say, it's time for change guys. You know, I, I, I love hockey and I'm, and I'm grateful for my experience in hockey. And it's, it's a call to action to say, we can make this better guys, uh, owners, players, fans. Let's, uh, let's step up. Let's everyone step up and, uh and make this a healthier game and a healthier culture, um, for everybody. And, um, and it's, it's happening, you know, it, it's, it, it's already been, an, it's already been a success. Um, but there, there, there's more to come.
1: Isn't it? Don't you feel so happy that you never have to fight again? Like, um, I, I don't know, no man. Um, fuck that anxiety, that fear, um, uh i don't know man i don't miss that part of it i I used to love the adrenaline side of it and uh sometimes i I used to like fighting uh when it was like to stick up for my teammates and and that was the majority of my fights um but as you know like you said once you start to do a little like you do well um then you know you start fighting more and then all of a sudden guys start asking you and all of a sudden you find yourself fighting more and more and more and more and then look you like said earlier you get lost in that like you bought some you just got like submerged in becoming an enforcer. Like,
0: you know what I mean? Like,
1: uh, and, and I mean, you didn't ultimately really didn't have a choice. Like if you wanted to to chase your dream, this was kind of the way that they were leading you. And, and as a, as a kid, you have so much trust in, in them. And, and you don't really, you're not thinking about, Hey, one day I'm going to be 32 years old doing a podcast with Leo, my old teammate, talking yeah. about concussion. But here we are, and we've both suffered because of the way we played and, and the way that we weren't protected or, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but certainly they've, you know, um, hockey and, and fighting have gone, you know, they've coincided and been a part of each other since, uh, you know, hockey started, you know, Donnybrook, but um you know things change and you look at things like to, like the tobacco like they used to think that was good for you or whatever and then oh, as more research, yeah as more research comes out it fuck you you know you realize it's not good for you or whatever well same thing so um you know like come on it's time to wake up and i, I definitely think that you're taking the i'm just glad that you were you're the one that that's doing this because uh, obviously when we played together and you're a phenomenal human being, James, and uh, like everyone says that, like, if if you've never seen James play or you didn't know he was a hockey player, you would never know that this guy was an enforcer. Like um, there's just, and especially now this was before you did the, the holistic and yoga and everything. Like you were <laughs> already a, a really nice and whatever, but you, I, I can imagine that, once you, you start playing with these concussions that you obviously had struggles and it hasn't been easy,
0: has it? It hasn't been easy. You know, it hasn't. There's been a lot of challenges, but, um, you know, um, the mindset of, of embracing challenges and, and growing from it has made me a stronger person. And it's taken that warrior mindset as a hockey player and being becoming a you know a spiritual warrior, um, a, a warrior that's uh, aligned with, with heart-centered values. And that's, you know, that's one thing that I teach... Uh, the people that I work with and the players that I work with, and uh, one of the programs that I have in uh, um, in in my coaching and uh, programs is uh, is called called the Elevated Warrior. So it's teaching those you know um, those holistic ways of lifestyle, the skills of meditation, the skills of you know nutrition and lifestyle um, aligned with heart centered values, and I and I really feel. Um, that's, uh, that's really needed now. That's needed now in, in, in every, in every area, whether, um, you know, especially in hockey, um, in, in business and in life. And it's, uh, you know, we're needing that we're needed to come back to that heart centered va- value because, um, at the end of the day, that's, uh, that is our truth. You know, the truth exists within your heart and, um, the more we can get back, back to that, um, so
1: you run, you're
0: running a hockey school. It's called infinite Nice, right? Yeah, yeah. We run, uh, run hockey schools and, uh, and do mentoring programs too. So, um, after, uh, after hockey, um, I started personal training and then mentoring players and then, um, um it evolved into hockey schools and now, uh, uh, mentoring programs, um, as well too. So that's, that's been a that's been a really co- really cool way to give back, and um, the players that I've worked with, there's been you know players who have gone um, actually to the NHL, um, and you know worked with them as uh, as young uh, as young players. Uh, some players are played in the in the WHL, and and you know so re- re- really, t- and some players have gone to the N- NCAA, so seen all routes. Um, working with players from a younger age. And what's been really amazing to see is these younger generations picking up these skills and these tools and embracing them. And um, these younger generations, man, they're uh, they, they got so much uh, so much potential. And um, it's been really, uh, yeah, it's been really re- rewarding being able to share um, the things that have helped me in my career when I came up, but then also the things that I wish I would have known and the things that I've implemented in my healing journey, like you know meditation yeah it heals the brain um it it gives a uh, happier lifestyle but also the performance enhancing qualities of meditation dude i'm telling you if if i i learned these yoga breathing techniques and meditation um when you know when we were kids it'd be off the hook what you can do you know you tap into higher centers of your brain It's like you develop like a sixth sense like a spider spider sense so you know it talking about healing and, and and brain trauma um so many different parts of the brain and part of meditation is you're uh, transcending into the higher centers of the brain where there's, there's creativity and um, problem-solving abilities and tap building those uh, neural pathways so those pathways are connecting more and anyone can start doing it so I've, I've had uh, players that I've worked with that you know as young as you know 12 13 years old teaching them how to meditate and I'm telling you man you're they're they're like the ability that that the, the the problem solving that staying calm and the, the quality of their life and their intelligence their and their emotional intelligence like you know it's uh it's it's incredible it's so inspiring to see so like you know we there, there there's a lot to look forward to
1: yeah that's great james like uh, man, i'm super proud of you buddy uh um this we talked this has just been phenomenal catching up and and uh, just hearing what you're up to, and um, James, you're probably—I mean, jeez, man—I don't know—probably one of the best teammates I ever had. And unfortunately, you got hurt our 20-year-old year, and you know, it's, things happen the way they do. But uh, um, you and I became pretty close that year. And unfortunately, the past few years, we've we've distanced ourselves a little bit, mostly because I've been fucked up, but. um, Pardon my French, but uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm certainly uh, you know happy to see you doing well, and you're definitely intrigued me and sparked my interest to to look into this. So um, you and I will have to talk off this podcast more about that. But uh, um, James, I mean, obviously we both have a fight ahead of us. We're we're still pretty young, and. Um, we've been fighting this long and you know I feel confident in myself and I can just hear in your voice that you know you're doing well you're eight years sober congratulations again to that and um you know you're doing well with the hockey school and and what you're doing with these kids and and giving them these tools is tools is so valuable to them and they might not even realize it at the time and uh I think you're you know if you haven't uh already um, which maybe you have, but you, you're gonna start to see a lot of these kids, maybe in a few years when they get older, to starting to come back and and really seeing how much you know you've helped them and 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 uh, you know and and that that's a big part of it, right? And that's sort of sort of the whole journey is is giving back is it, has mm-hmm. always been uh, giving has always been the the way to a better life for me and the, the way to happiness for me. so um and I think that's just a key. Keep everyone is just to, to just keep giving out there and, and making sure you're giving in a positive way. And James, you've, you've obviously uh, found a, a nice a nice niche up there in Kelowna, and I know you do your hockey school out in Terrace too, right? Every summer, the COVID nineteen obviously things are kind of on hold, but um, you got some big things ahead, and we'll, we'll obviously we'll have you back on again um, hopefully soon. Um, you've been a great guest. Uh, we'll stay up to date with the class action lawsuit and. Um, is there anything that you want to say before we go off? If there's any players listening or, um, any younger listeners that maybe, uh, any advice for them just coming up?
0: Yeah, we'll just, um, you know, if, if if there's anybody listening who, who, you know, who's, who's, uh, challenged right now from, if it's past head injuries or, you know, dealing with, um, those symptoms, uh, reach out, reach out. Um, uh, you can reach out to me you know, even personally, and I can, you know, link you up with, you know, different, uh, professionals or, you know, different resources that, that can help and know that, know that you're not alone. And, um, and that, that healing, um, healing is possible. And it's not only possible, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's happening. And so, and then with the younger, you know, with the, with the younger players, um, I think just listening, you know, having these conversations, Leo, is is good. And so I just really want to uh you know um thank you. You know, thank you for uh and having me on your podcast and thank you for having these conversations and dude, thank you for doing the work to to stay sober and um and and fight and you know battling. You're a warrior, man. You're 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 a warrior and I have, you know, I, I have you know, if you've, you know, if you come from the streets and, and from, from jail, I didn't know you, I didn't know that, 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 that happened. And I, you know, man, that's, I think this is awesome. You're, you're, you've inspired, you've inspired me, um, um, from you doing this podcast, having these conversations and know that, uh. You, um, the work that you do on yourself affects so many people if you're working on yourself to be a better person, more loving, more healthy, uh, more you know more positive bringing um, bringing positivity, bringing love, bringing peace to people, just like you said, the more you give, the more you put out is what you're going to get and so um, by doing the work on yourself, the healing work to make yourself a better person um, and uh, whatever you got to do to do that in a, in a healthy way to cultivate, cultivate health. And just like, just like, uh, health need, needs to be cultivated. And I, I think the last thing I want to, 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 to leave, leave, you with is, uh, imagine, imagine life like a, like a garden. And if you just let the garden grow and the weeds kind of take over, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it can take over the flowers and it can take over the fruits that you plant. But if you cultivate a garden and you have your fruits and everything lined up, you gotta weed the garden. You gotta you gotta prepare. You gotta cultivate the soil and cultivate the land, and the the same is true with our internal reality, which which is uh, becomes our external reality. So we need to cultivate health. We need to cultivate mindfulness. We need to cultivate peace. We need to cultivate love and. Um, these things aren't always easy to cultivate because when weeds and things can grow over the garden, uh, it can be tough digging those suckers up sometimes. And sometimes they can have thorns on them or we gotta, we gotta learn the skills, how to, how to cultivate it. But, um, really, um, to everybody listening and to you, Leo, um, make that, uh, make that a priority, cultivate love, cultivate inner peace, cultivate, uh, positivity and keep bringing that out to the world, because now more than ever is, uh we need it, we need it and i'm I'm proud of you, and I got your back leo and i'm you know so happy that we could uh that we could reconnect man
1: uh thanks a lot, James. I really appreciate that and uh you know i you know i i yeah I can't even explain to you how much that means to me because uh it hasn't been easy these last few years, and uh knowing that you know I have your support means the world to me and uh um, yeah, big things ahead, and uh, honestly, James, I really enjoyed having you on, and I think you make for a great guest, and I can see us doing this actually quite often. Uh, uh, guys, don't forget to check out uh, www.teamissued.ca. Use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off uh, your total purchases, TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off. Um, that's Jesse Paradise's company. We played with him in Kelowna. Uh, James, have you had a chance to check it out?
0: I did. It actually, I I love it. It looks like uh, it's really cool. Really cool to see what the Jess man's up to. Um, I love the the that say ish on there. It's like uh, yeah, yeah. That's totally. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, he's sending me out some stuff on Monday, so I'm excited to get on there. And uh, we're gonna switch to video podcast soon. So just trying oh, to right figure on. all this. I'm just like, I'm just a noob, so we might put this one up. But uh, anyway, James, thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll talk soon, buddy.
0: All right. Thanks for having me, Leo.
1: Big thanks to James McEwen for joining me uh, on the latest edition of that podcast. It was lots of fun to catch up with him. Um probably do it again sometime soon with him and we'll keep you guys up to date with what's going on in the class action lawsuit. Um yeah, James, thanks again for coming on and just being so open and honest and thanks for leading the charge in, in this class action lawsuit. Like he said, um it's not an us against them thing. Uh we're just uh you know, let's work together to bring change. I think James said it great and Um, you know, he was a warrior, uh, for anybody that, uh, hasn't seen his fights, please check them out because they are entertaining. I'm not trying to promote fighting, but I'm going to leave you guys with the call, Regan Bartell's call of James McEwen versus Garrett Hunt, number three from the Prospera Place in Kelowna, 2006-2007. Anyways, guys, take care of yourselves. Enjoy this call. This is Regan Bartell. We're going to fight inside Rocket territory. Garrett Hunt, James McKeown are going to take it at the blue line. They grab a hold. McKeown right, Hunt right there! Back and forth we go! Back and forth we go! Overcut McKillen! Over the top on Hunt! Hunt goes to one knee! One gets back up! Hunt tries to throw left! McKillen right! Now left by McKillen! Hunt tries to come through! Big left McKillen! Here's Hunt with the right! McKillen now right! One over the top! Now some left! Oh! Look at him go! Look at McKillen feed! Look at him feed Hunt! Oh, amazing! Good tilt here between Hunt and McKillen! Oh, geez, McKillen!
0: Ouch! Standing. I I don't know how Hunt's still standing. I I mean, listen, uh, Garrett Hunt. I I mean, I'm going to stand up and clap for him because he did not quit. I I, I don't
1: understand how you don't quit when you're taking that many punches. It's absolutely unbelievable. James McEwen and Garrett Hunt is certainly not their first time they've engaged this season. Matter of fact, every fight pretty much looked like that, but McEwen was landing when Hunt wasn't, and. Did he take their 15 or 20, 25 punches at least. You know, even at the start of that kill, you can see that McKeown, as you said, he was landing. Huck was throwing, but he was landing. landing. No, they weren't landing. They were missing. They weren't getting there. They were, but they were falling short. And-